Welcome to the Fantasy Jones. I'm Carlos Marion, and of course, I'm with from the game day Frank Amarante. Frank, how are you doing tonight? How's it going? How's it going? Sunny weather. The summer's going along. Drafts are rolling. Uh, getting really close to football season, so it's exciting times. Yeah, whenever that weather gets better, we stay inside and we we draft. <laughs> That's what it's all about. And speaking of drafts, Frank, you just did your first NFFC draft. How was that? Oh, it was great. The RotoWire Online Championship, high stake league, uh, lots of sharp players. There's a great uh, grand prize of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You still win a league prize of fifteen hundred if you win your twelve team league. But if you finish first overall in the, you know, thousands of participants, you can really take home that bag. It's an expensive draft. That's why I'm only going to do one of these leagues. It's a 350 buy-in. But hey, we got to shoot for the moon. We put in the work. We got to try to get that big payday. So I tried to join this league. And we're going to go through my draft today and, and see. I'll explain, you know, some players, how I feel about their outlooks, as well as my thought process behind the pick. I think I already know the answer to this question. But how confident do you feel about this draft? Oh, I just feel the same way that I always feel after a draft, and that's just sky-high confidence. Like, I just think I absolutely shredded it, and I think this team's going to take home the overall prize, really. That's that's just the way I feel every draft. And we were talking right before the draft, and you were telling me that, you know what, I'm ready. I got some guys that I really, I really have, like, locked in, but I got to make a plan. So... Tell me a little bit about this plan that you had. Well, this league here on NFFC is, it's they're deeper rosters. You, you, there's 20 rounds. It's not like your conventional home league. And there's a few players that I wanted to make sure that I would draft. So what I did is I, on a Google sheet, I just put each pick and I put my plan out like, hey, let's say Rashad Penny, I wanted him in the seventh round. Or let's say Chase Edmonds, I really wanted him in the eighth. So because I wanted those two running backs in the seventh and eighth, and, I, and I'm optimistic on them, I think they could both be RB2s, that would mean that I only really need to draft one running back in the first six rounds because I'm going to be planning for Penny and Edmonds to be my RB2 and three. So in knowing that, I go into the draft and I know that I'll be really attacking wide receiver especially in this format it's a full ppr so you get one point per reception so receivers value are inflated a little bit there so annoying that was a big part of my plan is edmonds and penny uh, i had the third overall pick i love justin jefferson as a he's my top player this year i would take him as high as one i think he's going to go off we'll get into that later so i was really hoping i'd get him first round come around to the second and get a running back. And then I'd attack receiver more because in knowing that I'd get Penny and Edmonds there. So that was the game plan really going in. Well, that's a solid game plan. I've, you've told me many times of your love for Jefferson this year. So, you know what, let's, let's start this, let's start this draft review here. And I guess uh, the first two picks went with Jonathan Taylor and McCaffrey. So there he was sitting pretty. And here you are at number three. What did you do? All right. Well, most people would go look towards Cooper Cup. So this goes another piece of my strategy here. 
Cooper Cup's teammate, Allen Robinson, is one of my big targets this season. I think he's going to really bounce back in L.A. with Matthew Stafford and with Sean McVay. So in knowing that, if I take Cup, that basically crosses one of my favorite targets off my list because I'm not going to take two receivers on the same team. It's really putting a lot of your eggs in one basket. It's just not something I, I would like to do unless it's best ball where, you know, you want to stack players and all of that to really give you a better chance at that spike week. But I don't want to do that in a season long league. And having said that, I really think Justin Jefferson has another uh, level to his game this year. So I, I took him over cup. You know, they got Kevin O'Connell, a head coach, replacing Mike Zimmer at an outdated offense. They're going to really loosen the reins. They'll pass more. They plan to move Justin Jefferson around the field, give him more of those easy targets. I think he's got a good chance to lead the league in receiving yards. In fact, he's favored to lead the lead in receiving yards, to lead the league in receiving yards. Yeah, at sportsbooks, he's, he's got the best odds to lead. So that's not the reason I'm doing, I'm taking Jefferson. It's just another piece of evidence to show that, hey, this isn't some crazy take I have. So I was happy to get him first round. And in taking that receiver at three, I'd have to wait a while for my next pick because this is a sneak draft. So that means I would really need a running back next round. Another reason for that is, is in NFFC, it's a third round reversal. So in a traditional snake draft, you know, I'd have the third pick. I'd have to wait it for it to wrap around for my second rounder. But then it'd be a quick switch for my third where I'd wait like four picks. That's in the traditional format. But in this one, it's going to go 1 to 12, 12 to 1, and then 12 to 1 again. So if I don't get the running back in the second round after taking a receiver in the first, I'm really going to be hurting at that position. So uh, in knowing that, I really needed a, uh, a running back in round two. Very interesting. I did not know about that anti-snake draft after the third round. That's uh, That evens it out, especially for football. That's something that we constantly see. You get the first five, like a top five pick. That's it. You have such an advantage over everybody else. And in these snake drafts, you just can clean up with that two, three turn. Exactly, exactly. So that was the goal in mind, like, especially when McCaffrey was healthy and killing it. If you had first overall pick, you know, you really are ahead of the pack just because of how dominant he was, even in years past, you know, Todd Gurley and the like. So in with that in mind, round two, hoping on a running back. You know, I was hoping Saquon Barkley. I wasn't expecting. I know that he'd go higher in these drafts because these drafts are a little bit ahead of the mainstream ADP because these you're, you're competing against players that have dozens of teams. They're drafting all summer. Like, they're really heavily invested so they're pretty sharp. So Barkley went first round, didn't get him. I wanted DeAndre Swift, didn't get him. He went early second round. Someone reached on Cam Akers. I was happy about that. I'm not interested. And then I was torn. It was coming up to my pick. It was going to be either Fournette or Javante Williams. Luckily, team five in our draft uh, made the decision easy for me, and they took Javante. So I took Leonard Fournette. Now, a lot of people are feeling negative around him because of uh, reports that he's put on packed on some weight and he's not in shape and I get that and I get the the concerns over rookie Rashad White who is a phenomenal receiver out of the backfield people thinking that he could take away from Fournette's role 
But hey, this is a 45-year-old Tom Brady. He's going to be depending on the players he trusts. Fournette is definitely that. He really excelled last season. He was a total ball cow. He got a ton of receptions and targets. He had a phenomenal role. And you look at the fact that obviously Antonio Brown's gone. Chris Godwin is is coming off the torn ACL, might not be ready week one. They added Russell Gage, but they did also lose Gronk. So there's a lot less weapons in that offense. So if Fournette can just get in shape, which I think he will, I mean, he still has a month and a half or whatever. I'm not too worried. It's like, I won't lie. It's a little bit concerning, but I think just the role that he could have, especially with the less, the fewer options in this offense is too good to pass up, especially in full point PPR. And you look at the running backs available here right now at the time, like you have Nick Chubb, but he gets a bigger bump in full PPR. He doesn't catch passes. Plus they might be playing with Jacoby Brissett early on with Deshaun Watson potentially suspended. You know, Alvin Kamara might be facing suspension. This is my only league I'm going to do of this tournament. It's $350. I'm not going to risk having my RB1 get suspended the uh, first six games. So I'm not looking at him. Then it goes to like Travis Etienne. Is he, do you feel really, that's a little shaky as your RB1, especially in the second round. So I just went with Fournette, given that it will still be a good offense. He's a vet, he's proven, and I'll take the risk here. Yeah, the It is risky, of course. And like for me personally, the only risk I would be extremely worried about is the fact that if he can't really get into football shape by camp and into the season, is it going to hinder him with like these hamstring injuries or just soft tissue injuries that you can, that uh, you can build up when you're out of shape. Right. So it's something to look at, but like you said, it's like your RB one. So it's either like you go a little bit safer, I guess with Nick Chubb, but again, there's the risk of, the beginning of the season with uh, Watson, but you, you know, uh, there was a full point PPR, right? Yeah. So that's a yeah. thing. It just, I don't want, especially when I'm trying to win this overall prize, like Nick Chubb does not have the same type of upside in this format. You want you basically to win that prize. Your, your team needs to be ridiculous. Like last year, you would have probably had to have Cooper cup, Debo Samuel, Jonathan Taylor, like, you have to really smash. So I don't really see that for Nick Chubb because he doesn't catch passes. So I get what you're saying in that he's, you know, he's in with a good offensive line. He's a great runner. But, and and the thing with Fournette, it's just about choosing which risk you're willing to take. And in this case, I was willing to gamble on the out of shape risk as opposed to the running back who doesn't catch passes and might be taking handoffs from Jacoby Brissett. Very true. And like you said about Kamara, that would be a massive blow for you in this type of league. So yeah, exactly. Can't do it. And plus like now you had to wait this entire, you know, how, what was it? uh, 12 picks. Yeah. Yeah, Another pick. So like that's now let's talk about your next pick. All right. Yeah. So sorry. No, no. Cause clearly now you have your wide receiver one wide receiver uh, running back one you're a little bit free now to do whatever you'd like so what did you choose to do all right well here coming into this third round one player I really wanted was Kyle Pitts because I wanted that tight end that really had that elite upside and you know Pitts generational prospect 
was great as a rookie. He was held back by only having one touchdown. I think he's got the t- type of upside to really just explode. So I really wanted him. But he got taken earlier than expected. He went in early in the third round. So then I'm looking at wide receivers. I like Michael Pittman. I like T. Higgins. I like Jalen Waddell. I do like A.J. Brown. I love the talent. And I was shocked to see him fall to me all the way at the end of the third round. Like, I was surprised to see, you know, Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddell, both go over A.J. Brown just because he's got game-breaking talent. I know he's joining an Eagles offense that was really run heavy down the stretch, but I think the fact that they traded for him tells me they want to pass at least at at least at a higher rate than they showed down the stretch last year. Not saying they're going to be pass heavy, but you got to think they'll try to air it out more. And AJ Brown, if he's healthy, he's just he's just a monster. Like uh, he could take it to the house on any play. He's really physical. He's a red zone threat, and you know this is a type of player that could easily finish as a top five wide receiver. And now he's my wide receiver too. And if you just look from a pure talent standpoint, Jefferson and Brown, I mean, that's pretty sexy as the two wide receivers. Again, as you're drafting, you're, you got to weigh the risk with the upside. The risk is that AJ Brown's joining a run heavy offense. It's more crowded than Tennessee because they have Devonta Smith, they have Dallas Goddard, and they have a running quarterback in Jalen Hurts as opposed to Tannehill, who uh, was more established as a passer in a way. But the upside there, on the other hand, is that now Brown has some great weapons surrounding him. It will free up opportunities for him. He might really have, you know, he doesn't have to carry the load as much as he did in Tennessee. So that could really help him from an efficiency standpoint. So I just love the talent. I think he should have went a bit earlier than this probably at the early part of the third round. I think he's just that talented. So I was ecstatic to get him here. It was perfect for me because I even liked T Higgins a lot. And I was planning later on to target Joe Burrow and I could get that stack with Burrow and Higgins. So I was either a win-win situation, AJ Brown or T Higgins. And it worked out and I got Brown and I was very happy with that pick. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into the offense with that run after the catch ability, short passes, easy passes for Jalen Hurts. Let's get this completion uh, percentage up and win some bloody games. Next, Frank, you decided. I, th- I think I, I have an idea of looking at your draft here. I think I knew what you had in mind here, but let's go. What did you do with the number th- uh, four? Number four. So, As I mentioned coming in, you know, I'm really attacking receiver now. Uh, The running backs there, there's like Zeke at the time of my pick. There was, I don't want him, you know, I know he's in a good offense, but he's shown signs of decline. I'm looking at the receivers, still good ones. And there's one I love and he fell right to me. It's DJ Moore in Carolina. You know, last year, the beginning of the year, he was off to a monster start when Darnold was playing decently well, like his target share was huge he was just held back down the stretch by horrible quarterback play like Darnold I think completed low 50 percent of his passes uh he was really erratic and that held DJ Moore back who I believe had over 160 targets you know now he gets Baker Mayfield who's more accurate he's that type of rhythm passer who like 
if Caroline is smart, they'll scheme it up to get more really in underneath shorter passes and let him go to work after the catch. I think that's what they will do. And I think Baker Mayfield's a nice fit for him. DJ Moore can definitely finish as a top 15 receiver. I know he's only gotten four touchdowns each year throughout his career, and that's been an issue. But when you when you have a player that gets over 150 targets, it's just based on the math, they're likely to score more than four touchdowns. So that's probably the low end of his projection. So I'm thinking he'll get like six, which is good. And remember, it's a full point PPR. So that bumps him up more. If I don't, I see no reason for him not to get similar targets as last year, maybe a little less just because we assume McCaffrey's going to be healthy the full year. And last year he was not. So let's say Moore has 140 targets. I'm fully happy with that. He could catch 90 balls. And with his playmaking ability, the efficiency will be there. I just think Baker Mayfield's a nice fit for him. And I was really happy to get him as my wide receiver three. And my plan here is to start four receivers because there's three receivers and a flex. And because it's PPR, I want to have four receivers in my lineup every week. And so I have my first three in the first four picks so far. Great point with the Baker Mayfield being more, much more accurate. He's going to come in there and just, he's just going to fill DJ more with targets. Who are we kidding? He's going to play with a chip on his shoulder and he's going to, I think he's going to play a lot exactly. better than expected. So I think it's 100%. just, too, I think it's just too easy to say that Baker Mayfield is going to be garbage this year. I think it's just a simple thing. Hey, look at that, whatever. Oh, look, they even went with Deshaun Watson of all people over him. Wow. They just to get him out of town. But quick thing about the quarterbacks. I noticed something. You decided not to go with the quarterback here as the quarterback run was beginning. And we had Herbert a couple picks later. And then why don't you tell me what happened a little bit later? Who was right next to each other? And All right, that's a uh, that's a good point because that's the other reason I'm taking receiver here because only Josh Allen has gone off the board. I don't I like Herbert, but my target is Joe Burrow. I think Burrow, like we've talked on this show, I think he's going to really explode this year. His supporting cast is phenomenal. He killed it down the stretch. He's fully healthy. So I was hoping he gets to me in the fifth round, but as we see, we look at the draft board: Patrick Mahomes and then Joe Burrow. So team. Nine took Mahomes, then teammate next pick took Burrow, the two that I debated. And I think Burrow's going to outscore Mahomes, like I said earlier. Earlier, Mahomes without Tyree Kill, while Burrow is with the best receiving core in the NFL, and they're going to pass at a higher rate. So I was disappointed to see Joe Burrow go there. This is, this is the round where I kind of scrambled because I wanted Burrow, but my other option was Darren Waller because that would give me a stud tight end and I know Devontae Adams is there but you know that'll open up opportunities for Waller thing is he got sniped the pick right before mine and I didn't want to take another running back there was like J.K. Dobbins at the time and we all know he's dealing with injuries questionable for week one uh, so I went with another receiver and the one who I went with is Amon Ra St. Brown this is Jared Goff's new Cooper Cup, that slot receiver who he loves to just check it down to over the middle and let him run after the catch. We all know about his crazy stretch to, uh, to end his rookie season. He just looked 
phenomenal. He's getting like eight catches a game. I know that TJ Hawkinson and Swift were hurt, but you have to be good to be able to get that type of target share and that type of production. It's not like, oh, there's no one here, so we're just going to throw it to you, even though you're not good. No, it doesn't work like that. He earned those targets. Furthermore, it's not like we're expecting him to repeat that type of crazy run because that type of crazy run, he was like in the top 10 per game in fantasy production for ride receivers. We're getting him here in the 20 range. So that's all we need. We just need that solid, you know, wide receiver two, three type. And he's my wide receiver four. And this is a PPR league. He caught 90 balls. There's a good chance he could do that again. So he gets a bump in this in this um, format, giving me now four really good wide receivers to go along with Leonard Fournette, a running back that catches passes. And it'll be interesting because I also scrambled in my next pick, which we will get to soon. Yeah, so now your draft is becoming clearer. Now the plan is coming to fruition. And here we are in round six. And here come and begins the, the run of these shoot for the moon and aim for the stars to quote pop smoke. <laughs> exactly. So here, okay, this is the thing right now. I was planning to take Rashad Penny in the seventh round, no matter what. I would have liked to get Joe Burrow here or a tight end like Waller. Um, but or even let's say I had gotten pits earlier, I might have taken a receiver in the sixth round, but like a juju, let's say. But the thing is now I have my four receivers. I can't take one now because I'm not going to fill a bench spot while I have empty spots on my roster. So I'm looking at the running backs because also I don't want a tight end. Like Hawkinson just went. I don't want Dalton Schultz. I'd rather just wait two rounds and look at Dallas Goddard. So I wasn't looking at tight end here. Also, quarterback, you know, there's still Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson on the board. I didn't want to take one yet. So my plans shift here. I'm going running back around earlier than I had originally wanted. And I look at the running backs there. I see Josh Jacobs and I see Elijah Mitchell. The, now, we know Jacobs, you know, I know he got more receptions last year. But that was because Kenyon Drake got hurt. It's a new coaching staff. They, You know, Josh McDaniels comes over from New England. You know, they get all these backs involved, even in the passing game. He brings over Brandon Bolden. It might be an ugly situation, even though Jacobs, you know, he's that safe pick. He's going to likely get touches. I just don't see a huge upside for him, even in an improved Raiders offense. He's a solid RB2, but I'm trying to shoot for the moon here, even though he's like his median projection is better than the one who I took, which I'll get into in a sec. The other option was Elijah Mitchell. And the thing with him, you know, he plays for Kyle Shanahan. Who knows? He could, that guy, when he, bl he wakes up in the morning, he gives it to a new running back out of nowhere. I know he showed a lot of trust in Elijah Mitchell, but we know his track record. He, he just flips like the, like the wind. And uh, Trey Lance is going to be starting. He'll open up running lanes for Mitchell as a rushing quarterback. But he'll also take away goal line carries and eat into that touchdown upside. And we know that scrambling quarterbacks don't really target their running backs often. So Mitchell really is a zero in the passing game. 
So I decided to shoot for the moon and go with A.J. Dillon of Green Bay. Now we look at Dillon down the stretch. I know Aaron Jones was hurt, but it was a dead even 50-50 split. That's number one. Number two, we've been thinking like who's going to take, which receiver is going to take on the, the who, who's going to take a leap with Devontae Adams leaving? What if they just become more run heavy? And what if it's the running backs who take a leap? Perhaps Aaron Jones gets more targets and Aaron, and AJ Dillon takes over that grunt work and that, you know, uh, inside those tough carries between the tackles. And he's like the one they, they pound the ball with as they're trying to, you know, keep a lead. He'll have huge touchdown upside because any offense with Aaron Rodgers is still going to score points, even without Devontae Adams. So I like that. I also like the fact that if Aaron Jones misses time, which he's shown lately, especially that he can, he's been banged up. If Jones misses time, Dylan becomes a top 10 fantasy running back. He showed that he could catch passes too. So he's not like your typical power back. So that was what I'm looking for here. I'm getting a player who I still think, even with Jones there every game, could finish in the top 24 and just be like that mid to low and RB2. But he's got another level where he could just really, really make this team strong. Because if, let's say Aaron Jones got injured my receivers did what they can and Fournette, you know is doing what he did last year then i got like a really stacked team and i don't think that's a level that jacobs or mitchell can get to even even though they're safer i'd rather just swing for the fence here with dylan especially because i think he'll still have a significant role in the offense so this some might say this is a reach or a risky pick but we're trying to win this big prize and we're going for it all. And I go with Dylan here. I'm even surprised you took him over Penny, your boy. Ah, yeah, so that's a good one. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking of this, like I could take Penny here, but here's my thing. And it made me realize that, that I like AJ Dylan more than I thought because I love Penny. I love him as a runner, but his offense still is not going to be good. They're going to play at a really slow pace. He's not going to catch many passes. So I don't really see him having that same huge upside that Dylan has if Jones gets hurt. And then Penny, obviously, there's injury risk. There's a risk that Kenny Walker plays a bit, even though I think Penny will lead the way. Also, looking at ADP, I thought that Penny could definitely fall in the seventh round. So I'm like, I'll take Dylan here because there's a better chance that Penny will fall to me seventh round than Dylan would. So I had to do it here. Took another back in a good offense, you know, like I got Fournette on the Bucks. Now I got Dylan on the Packers. So those are good offenses, but that's a great question you bring up because you know how I love Rashad Penny. It's like looking at this draft and the way it played out you know, it, it fits your plan of just shooting for the moon, go with AJ Dillon. And uh, now on the way to the seventh round, we saw a little run of running backs. So therefore yeah. you did something else. Yeah. I got kind of screwed here. I really wanted Rashad Penny. Like I need to keep getting shares of him because his ADP is going to go up. But for me, I think 
like the seventh round is a good spot. I don't really want to go to the sixth and the fifth round. That's starting to get too high for him, even though I'm really optimistic about him. Part of why I loved him so much was because he was going in the ninth, tenth round. Now he's really starting to rise. So my plan was always set in stone, Rashad Penny, seventh round. And he went, unfortunately, even though his ADP was around the eighth, someone took him early seventh. So I'm a little bit tilting there, you know, I'm like, shit, Penny's gone. My other player that I really wanted, another running back, it was Chase Edmonds, because I love his receiving upside. And, you know, I know he's in a crowded backfield in Miami, but he's the only one who could catch passes out of him, Mostert and Michelle. So I'm like, even though I was planning to take Edmonds in the eighth all along, I'm like, forget that. I'm taking him in the seventh. I just got sniped on Penny. I'm not missing on this. Well, pick right before me, Edmonds goes. So now I'm scrambling a bit. But in a way, it could be a blessing in disguise because the player I wound up with fell way too far. It's Kyler Murray at the end of the seventh round. That's He went over a full round after Lamar Jackson. You could... De- you can argue that Murray is more valuable in fantasy. So he fell all the way here. I just couldn't pass him up at this point, especially when I lost Burrow. To, to backtrack a bit, when I did get sniped on Burrow, I was planning to really wait on quarterback and get like a, you know, like Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins. But then I see Murray falling and falling and falling. I had no choice. I know he's without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. Marquise Brown's going to be a perfect fit with him. They played together in college. We know about Murray's upside. I will add, though, that this league has six points for passing touchdowns, and each passing yard is 0.05 instead of 0.04, which seems that's that's a hundredth of a decimal difference, but over hundreds of passing yards, it makes a bit of a difference. So the intention there is like to bridge the gap between the Russian quarterbacks and the pocket quarterbacks, not really uh, like to, you know how running quarterbacks are a bit inflated in our traditional scoring. So that's the goal there. But even with that slight Nick to Murray, he could still really air it out. And the rushing is huge. So it, it was a no brainer here. I took him at the end of the seventh round. It really worked out for you because as we're recording this episode, it's the day of Kyler Murray's bag being received. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, who are we kidding? That affected his draft stock for sure because everyone right. was a little bit worried that he might hold out, right? There's that maybe. And yeah. you were able, night before, boom, Kyler. And it's uh, wheels up for him, I guess. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point because even though, you know, you always expect the quarterback to play, let's say that they don't get the contract done and he plays. He might be, you know, disgruntled, like these kind of things happen. He might not play at his hardest. We see it all the time in sports. So, yeah, that was huge, too. And he probably would have went sixth round if uh, if he was uh, signed, like if we did this draft today. You know, let's go right to the eighth and right back at it. Going for those shoot for the moon running backs. Tell us about your next pick here, Frank. All right. My next pick, Tony Pollard. He's got, you know, you look at who I wanted, Chase Edmonds and Tony Pollard. I mean, they're pretty similar. They both can catch passes. They're both good playmakers. They're elusive. And they're both in 
you know, muddled backfields, just that Edmonds doesn't have a Zeke there who's proven. So he has more of a chance to be the lead back. But hey, Pollard is a stud and Zeke has shown signs of decline. So I'm happy with getting Murray and then Pollard. You know, what if Zeke gets injured? Pollard, just like Dylan, he could be an RB1. So now that gives me a second really lottery ticket who still has standalone value. Because like, if Zeke is playing, Pollard is still going to have a role in the offense and he'll still catch passes. He'll probably be their primary pass catcher out of the backfield. And hey, now that they didn't really adequately replace Amari Cooper, maybe they try to get Pollard more involved and get him more passes so adding the fact it's full PPR, it's is a no-brainer. I really am happy with this pick too because you look at my team, I don't need a receiver right now. I already have those spots filled up. I'd rather take another running back in case, you know, maybe Dylan doesn't work out. I have a similar upside shot with Pollard to just slot in for Dylan. And I know I don't have a tight end yet, but you look at, you know, who is available at this time in the draft. It's like, there was Dallas Goddard. I could have went there, but what pushed me was just like, if I don't take Pollard here, I'm likely going to end up with like, you know, Ronald Jones as my RB3. And that's not that great because he doesn't catch passes. I'd rather take that running back, catches passes, has huge upside. And at this point, I'm just going to wait on tight end. You could have also taken your boy CEH. Yeah, I, at one point, in, yeah, one. I know I hated him last year. At one point <laughs> this year, I kind of liked him, but then they brought back Jarek McKinnon, who led the way in the playoffs. You know, that could be just an ugly backfield, so I'm out on him now. Yes. Yes. Next. <laughs> Next, you went with a rookie. All right, here we go. So now, you know, I have three running backs. I have four receivers. Here at this stage of the draft, you know, I could have taken, I was maybe looking at Rashad White as a handcuff for Fournette. Um, but because you want your team to be as stacked as possible, it might not be the best idea to handcuff in this type of format because, you want that grand prize. And also you're able to make moves during the season. There's fab bidding. So now I have a player who coming in after the draft, Traylon Burks, that everyone thought would be the top rookie because he's slotting into the A.J. Brown role with a similar skill set. But he, there's been just negative reports about asthma issues, people whispering that maybe he's just not in shape at all, which have really, like, uh, hurt his stock so what i'm doing here you look at my team the four receivers i'm not going to bench them unless it's like a brutal matchup or they're playing awful so i'm not going to be targeting a receiver here who i might consider starting early on i don't want that headache i'm targeting a receiver that's just a swing for the fence once again that maybe down the stretch i could put him in once he's got his feet wet in the regular season and you know he, he wasn't even the first rookie receiver off the board. Chris Olave went ahead of him. So I'm taking Burks here just because there's that path for him to really make an impact down the stretch, just like A.J. Brown did in his rookie year. I'm not saying Burks is as good as Brown, but he's that similar physical yard-after-catch type of receiver that fits nicely in the Tennessee offense. I think they have big plans for him. So 
I took him here and and just will leave him on my bench and just let park him there and until there's a buy or until there's you know until he shows signs of life if he's showing that he's acclimating to the NFL I want to add one quick thing that I didn't mention my top two receivers Jefferson and AJ Brown both have bye weeks in week seven so that's another reason right now I need another receiver because that week seven could, I could be really hurting there considering my top two receivers will be on a bye so perhaps hopefully by then Burks will be rolling and I could plug him in another upside play Good point with the seventh week because obviously it might take a little bit longer for him. You just said with all those issues coming into camp. One thing I personally didn't like about the drafting of him was obviously the entire draft room just looked stunned that they just traded AJ Brown and were about to replace him with a first round pick. So it showed me that maybe not everybody was sold on him and to have these early negative reports kind of just stirs the pot for me and it, i might be out this year uh but we'll see i could be very well wrong but like you said it was a good shot to take in this we're in the ninth or eighth round yeah. ninth round and might as well you already have four receivers so what's the worst that's going to happen he doesn't play okay he's on the bench you already exactly. have your you already have your position set so number 10 you went with another back Tell me more about this. And another one. It's just continuing to just chip at that cement block and trying to make it crack and explode and hitting on just a, on a gold mine. And that's Alexander Madison. He's very similar type of running back to A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard in that he has proven that when the starter, Dalvin Cook in this case, has been out, He's been a beast. The Vikings have trusted him. They've given him a big workload. He's performed like an RB1 on multiple occasions. He's shown that he could catch passes out of the backfield. Now, looking at my team, because those four receivers are locked in, Leonard Fournette's locked in, my RB2 is basically a revolving door. So I just want one of these guys to really pop, and that'll really unlock my team. So that's just the goal here is I'm swinging for the fence again. And hey, if if more than one of them pop, that means like now I have options at flex. I could bench Amon Ross St. Brown if I wanted, because these are all running backs that will catch some passes. So, you know, I just loved this pick to just swing for the fence constantly. You look at the other backs, they're like James Robinson. He tore his Achilles. He's not going to if he does come back, he'll just be that like solid, like bi-week filler he's not going to really pop coming off that significant injury you know Melvin Gordon okay he's solid if Williams misses time he can get another level but do you think either of those two have higher upside than Madison I don't because if Cook is out home run and again this is like Burks this is early on in the year I'm not going to even consider starting Madison saves me the headache I just have that lottery ticket waiting in case Cook misses time or you never know. It's a new coaching staff. Maybe they see what Madison did last year and they say this, this player needs a bit of a role in the offense, similar to the Cowboys did with Pollard as he continued to show his worth. So maybe he has a bit of standing standalone value as well. So it was a no-brainer for me. And Cook has not been the poster boy for health. So it's a good shot to take. You might as well. 
All right, number 12, Frank, tell me more about this pick. All right, coming around again, again, like these wide receivers that were on the board at this time, you know, I could wait. I, I don't really need one. I have five. And the tight ends, again, I don't really want Irv Smith, especially because I have Justin Jefferson. That's too much Minnesota. There's a lot of similar tight ends available right now. They're all the same, pretty much. Irv Smith, Albert Oquick, Boonham, uh, Albert O, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, uh, Pat Fryermuth, Hunter Henry. They're pretty similar. So I didn't want to take one. I decided, again, running back, shoot for the moon. This one doesn't have as much upside as Madison Pollard or Dylan, but he catches passes and, you know, he showed some flashes last year as a rookie, and that's Kenny Gainwell of your Philadelphia Eagles. Now, you know, he's a good receiver out of the backfield, so he could have those games where, you know, the Eagles are playing from behind, that they put Miles Sanders to the bench and they let Gainwell play as the hurry up back. He catches a few checkdowns. So he could be like a bi-week filler in that regard. Also, you know, I know last year, me especially, I thought when Miles Sanders missed time, Gainwell was going to really take over the reins, uh, especially heading into that Lions game. I started him in our big league and shockingly they played mostly Boston Scott and, and Jordan Howard. So that's a risk for sure. Like he might not be the main guy uh, if Miles Sanders misses time. But on the other hand, maybe now in year two, they trust him more. So they might give him that role in this case. So this, this is just, uh, again, a swing for the fence. You know, he's got some talent. It, it should be a good offense. And, you know, like, let's say now that I, I have A.J. Brown and Gainwell, like, let's say, the, um, let's say I have a bye week and I, I can't start. Amon Ross St. Brown or someone like that, or maybe someone's injured and I'm in a pinch and the Eagles are in a projected shootout against the Cowboys. Well, I could stack Eagles and put Gainwell in there with him. So that's always a bonus as well. And with the PPR points, it seems like, it seems like this year is going to be a make or break year for Miles Sanders. If he like, if he just continues to just be okay and middling it, there's the opportunity for someone to pop in and take over the role. And he'd have to Gainwell didn't show too much last year, but he did show that he was able to catch the ball, able to, you know, get into the end zone a couple of times, break off some runs, some nice runs. Uh, so a solid pick, you know, you go with another running back that you can just swap in later in the season. But uh, now onto the 12th pick. Now, what did you well, do? Well, what I did next, I got five running backs. It's time to look elsewhere. And again, still, the tight ends are the same. I'm not going to take one and just force one in here when there's a solid wide receiver available. Now, let's say in a bad scenario, one of my top four gets injured and it's early in the year. Burks just does not look good. He's a bust, let's say. I need like that boring, dependable type of receiver who can rack up catches and could really stabilize things in that scenario. So who do I go with? I went with Jacoby Myers of the Patriots. Now I know the Patriots are run heavy, but you have to think Mac Jones in year two, they pass a little bit more. And Jacoby Myers is basically his top target 
you look at what he did last year, he had 83 catches for 866 yards. So full PPR. Those 83 catches are really nice. Like he's not going to have a totally monster week, but he's going to be dependable there. So this is the part of the bench where, you know, I have those lottery tickets, wide receiver with Burks, running back with Madison and, and the like. So now I need a bit of dependability on the bench. And that's what I got here with Jacoby Myers. Excellent point. Especially in those weeks where like the bye week, week seven, that's a good week where, hey, okay, I'll, I'll throw in Jacoby Myers. And you know, exactly. that's not bad. It's like, that's not bad. Hopefully. You never know. But like at the same time, projected, he looks like he's going to be solid. Frank, now you decided to make your move for the tight ends. Who did you yes. go with? So I continued to see Pat Fryermuth really fall. And I, and I wanted either him or Albert O. I liked Fryermuth because he showed a lot as a rookie and he was a touted prospect. So it was pretty impressive what he did on a, with Big Ben. But Fryermuth got taken. So that just made my decision easier. I, I always kind of like that when I'm torn on two players and then someone takes them the other one for me and makes the decision easy so I went with Alberto and I know there's a lot of question marks right now because there's been talk about their rookie Greg Dolchich um, really like uh, making waves in camp and perhaps sharing time with Alberto so that's a risk and that's late he, that's definitely why he fell further than where he was going earlier but I'm willing to just take a shot and say hey Maybe that's just noise because Albert O is really athletic. You know, he showed flashes even with Noah Fant there. And it's it's investing a piece into a really good offense now that they have Russell Wilson. Like, what if that offense just goes off and then, you know, like Albert O can get, you know, eight touchdowns. He could really make an impact. It's not like there's a clear-cut wide receiver one there. Like, there's Judy and Sutton who have potential, but what if, Alberto becomes a two number two option. You never know. He's really athletic. So I just took a shot on that one. Got to shoot for the moon, Frank. Now you took another running back right after this. This running back. Are you excited about him? Are you excited to have him on your bench? Oh, yeah. So this was a huge reach. I, I didn't really... I. I saw ADP and I just jumped it because I just didn't like the guys that were there. I didn't like the other running backs. So I just got my guy and that's the Ernest Johnson. You know, he showed flashes last year with RB1 finishes when Chubb and Hunt were hurt. He's got a ton of upside. And, um, you know, what if there's been reports they might trade the Ernest Johnson or they could get rid of Kareem Hunt, who's a free agent after the year. So if one of them, either he gets traded or if Hunt is gone, that could really elevate his role in a run-heavy Cleveland offense with a good offensive line, and he's shown that he's a talented runner. So, again, this was a lottery ticket. All right, so now we're in the 15th round, Frank. You've, got, you've taken your shots on all these running backs. What are you doing? Well, what I'm doing now, I look at the board. I've already, like you said, taken shots on all these running backs. Um, I don't really want, like, a Sony Michelle there. I know there's an opening in Miami, but he doesn't catch passes. I've already got, you know, what is it, uh, six running backs. So, again, with the tight ends, they're all the same. And, you know, backup quarterback is not really a priority when you have someone as good as Kyler Murray. 
So I went with a wide receiver, and it's another boring vet, Corey Davis. I know they have Elijah Moore, and they just drafted Garrett Wilson. It's a crowded room. Zach Wilson is, you know, unreliable. But Davis, last year, he even though it was a super quiet season, I believe he still performed like a around wide receiver 30 range on a points per game basis. Like when he's been healthy, he could still, you know, be a decent bi-week filler. And hey, if Wilson, uh, Garrett Wilson, that is, if he struggles a bit, maybe you see Davis have more of a role than people think. So this is just, you know, that dependable type of veteran receiver. I'm just pulling up his stats now. He averaged 11.7 PPR points per game, which would have been about like in, like I said, in the wide receiver 30 range and then getting him super late. So again, this is just a depth piece to balance out all my lottery tickets that I've taken. And this is a player who has a couple of solid seasons under his belt. You know, he's shown he can play in the NFL. So he's he's a good good investment this late in the draft. If it's with your last pick as well, with the wide receiver, with your Jacoby Myers pick, actually, your last wide receiver pick, that you want to now get into more stable players that have maybe more chances for receptions. Exactly. You know, just to get those targets. Now you went back to back here. Yeah. Tell us what you did at 16. So here I'm starting to see teams are, are starting to take defenses. I'm not doing that. I'm taking a defense in the second last pick. I'm looking at these rookie receivers they're taking at this point. Ve- uh, Velis Jones, like, come on, that's a run-heavy Bears offense. He wasn't a heavily touted prospect. I know he went high, relatively high, but people thought that was a reach. I don't want Marvin Jones. That's a crowded room. I don't want LaVisca Chenault, you know, that um, he's been a bust. Paris Campbell's always injured, and plus he's not really that PPR type where he can rack up catches. And I also didn't want to take, like, um, you know, Julio Jones yet, who's unsigned, and who knows if he will sign, or Will Fuller, same thing with him. He's not signed. So I took a player from the Commanders, my team, Curtis Samuel, who, you know, coming into last year, a lot of people loved that free agent addition to the team. Only problem was that he was hurt all year. Well, there's been some positive reports at a camp that he looks explosive. And this is a talented player who's still young. And they have Jahan Dotson, who they just drafted in the first round, along with Terry McLaurin. But who's to say that Dotson will be ready right away and it wouldn't be Samuel as a wide receiver, too, in the offense? And obviously, there's as much as I don't like the move to get him, he's still an upgrade. Carson Wentz at quarterback. So that helps out as well. And if you look at uh, 2020, that's he's only had one bad year. It was last year. In 2020, he averaged over 14 PPR points per game, which is like 0.1 fewer than DJ Moore. So he could he still has talent. This is a type of pick that could really bolster your bench and really help out if one of your uh starters disappoints now i have another receiver i could plug in if i look at my bench receivers samuel probably has the highest upside aside from Traylon burks i think he has more upside than davis and myers he's just not as dependable so i took a shot on him here 
I'd rather have him than the other receivers I listed. And I thought this was a nice pick. And with Carson there, you never know. Maybe he's going to be more inclined to throw even less to McLaurin. Who knows? I don't know what Carson's up to. The guy was, <laughs> I don't know what he thinks. You know, like we all know he's great at checkdowns too. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip on him or anything <laughs> because he's not my quarterback anymore. So anyway, we are now to the point where you take another tight end. Yeah. Tell us about your, your long shot here. So, I took Albert O. Since I waited on tight end, I really need a number two tight end because this is going to be a revolving door. He's not a set and forget it starter. He's very risky, uh, but it's better to wait on tight end than take like a mid rounder because the, the late tight ends could easily outscore them. Like Cole Komet, he's got upside. The guy who I take next could easily outscore him. That's Austin Hooper. So originally I wanted Evan Ingram because I think he could potentially emerge as the number two or number even number one target in a much improved Jaguars offense under Doug Peterson and with Trevor Lawrence. But Ingram was sniped from me two picks earlier. So I went with Austin Hooper, a dependable veteran who you look at that Tennessee Titans offense and there's some room for opportunity. Like AJ Brown is gone. Robert Woods is coming off a torn ACL. Traylon Burks, like we mentioned, is like slowly getting, he's kind of lagging behind in terms of conditioning. So what if Austin Hooper gets filled with targets from Ryan Tannehill? He's got a really strong season under his belt. In 2019, he finished as tight end three in PPR points per game. I know that was a while ago. That was three years ago, but it's not like he's really old and, you know, he he's, He's going from a Browns team, which was really overly stocked at tight end with like David and Joku to a Titans team that likes to throw to their tight end. And he's just got that dependability in those nice hands. So this is a like a real nice late round pick, I think, that could cover me in the event that Alberto is a bust. You could also work matchups. I think with a lot of these tight ends, they have the opportunity to be a lot more matchup based. Mm-hmm. And you know, taking two in the later rounds might work out a lot better than shooting with with uh, Darren Waller or or Kittle or any of those mid round guys. Yeah. Because even like a guy like Gasecki, you know that that went after you took Alberto, is someone who had some good games last year where he really took over some games, and mm-hmm. we're still unaware of how Tyreek's gonna get into that offense, and of course. If you listen to Tyreek, Tua is going to give him all the long balls known to man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll see about that. I don't know personally. Uh, Mike Gusecki might even be like a guy that's a lot better than we expect. And Evan Ingram, well, maybe not. Well, you never know. Like these last round picks, like these, these tight ends, it's, it seems like there's a lot more hope for hitting on a late tight end than in, years past as you know as we progress to tight ends being more athletic and Mm -hmm. getting um just more and more talent comes into the league in that position yeah i want to say one thing of uh, you brought up a good point of mid-round tight ends like look at dalton schultz okay he went in the sixth round originally i liked him but the more i thought about it the more i talked to people it's made sense like that's really high for him because 
you're really just paying for the opportunity. You know, Amari Cooper is gone and it's just basically him and Lamb. But like Schultz came out of nowhere last year. It was basically between him or Blake Jarwin. So it wasn't like this is some top prospect like TJ Hawkinson went in the same round. So it's really risky. You, you look at the players you would be taking Dalton Schultz over in that round. It's like you took him. He went over Kyler Murray, Chase Edmonds, Amari Cooper, Rashad Penny, Adam Thielen. Those are players with more upside, I think. And would it really shock you if, let's say, Pat Fryermuth, Hunter Henry, like you said, Mike Kosicki, Albert All outscored Dalton Schultz? It wouldn't shock me at all. So it's, I think, better to just play the two tight ends at the end, then go with like a six rounder like Schultz. Other thing, because you took Schultz in the sixth round, it basically forces you to start him every week or at least give him a long leash. So let's say he starts off first three, four weeks. He's not playing well. In the back of your mind, you, you think about how highly invested you are in him using a six rounder. You're going to be more reluctant to bench him. Whereas I took Albert O in the 13th, Hooper in the 17th, you know, one guy outperforms the other, he's going to start. It's like way shorter leash, so it will hurt you less. Yeah, I think they will just the overall point, wait on a tight end, it seems like this year. Yeah, now, unless you get like Kelsey or... Uh, well, yeah, of course. If they fit. fall to you, that I was just thinking that, like if you... I just found out I had eighth pick in our, in our home league, and as usual, it seems as though we're, I've drafted in the back end of this pool for the past like decade it feels like but uh you know because i look at this draft and i see that it how they do the two three split and i'm just so envious of it oh man it would be so nice but alas oh you're seeing a third round reversal yeah yeah so like the eighth eighth team took henry and then followed up with travis kelsey so that's that's solid you know you get travis kelsey in the second round with tyreek on maybe just pumping targets at him. But at the same time, you know, we just finished talking about this. Like maybe it would be better if I took maybe Mike Evans or Javante Williams at that, at that spot, you know, Javante Williams is really nice there, even though it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's more of an upside pick, but anyway, I'm going to be waiting on tight end. (laughs) So next you went with your backup QB. All right. Who did you choose? Well, this one was a rare one because it's a player that I'm not really going to target at all in other leagues. It's not really like I'm high on him. And it's Ryan Tannehill. Like, I prefer, you know, uh, I if between the two of them, Tannehill and Jameis Winston, I prefer Jameis Winston. But here's the thing. I have Kyler Murray, so I'm never going to bench him. I don't care the matchup. I'm just going to be playing Kyler Murray. I'm not going to be benching him for a quarterback and play matchups like that, number one. Number two, I looked at week 13 to see uh, this quarterback's matchup because that's Kyler Murray's bye. That's the only time I intend on not playing Murray is when he's on a bye. And uh, the Titans play the Eagles, which is not like on paper the easiest matchup, but it could turn into a shootout because it's, you know, Philly, Philly's got a great offense. And hey, it's the game against A.J. Brown, too. That would be pretty wild. But most importantly, the reason why I made this move, you look at my roster, you think about how I would only play Tannehill in the 13th week. 
Well, look who I have. I got Austin Hooper. I have his tight end. I got Traylon Burks, who could be his number one wide receiver. So in that week, to kind of raise my ceiling, I could have my backup quarterback paired with one of his, or maybe both of his pass catchers to really, you know, boost up my, like if he is doing well that week, chances are Hooper or Burks are as well. So I thought of getting that stack was nice, especially because, you know, like I said, I'm not going to be benching Murray. I was thinking about taking Trevor Lawrence earlier in the draft because I really like him. And uh, I think he'll take a next step with Doug Peterson but then I thought, like, because I like Lawrence so much, I know myself. If he starts showing flashes, I'm going to get these little temps. Oh, let's go bold and play Lawrence maybe over Murray. Oh, Lawrence plays the Texans because I already like him. And I don't think that's going to be the the rational move, even though, like, I know my weakness. I get in, enamored with certain players that I really liked, and I they showed flashes. And then I start to maybe – bench a more proven quarterback for them so I, I didn't want that to happen so I took a quarterback who has a track record and I could stack and I'll just play week 13 and I know for a fact I don't care who Tannehill is playing I won't consider playing him over Murray so I think it was the perfect fit for me that was a great point about knowing yourself and your own weaknesses that you go into there and you're like ah you know I could take Lawrence but oh boy this is going to spark the little fire inside yeah. me for sure. <laughs> it's like November Frank, just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm really killing it this week. Oh, wow. I'm pounding everybody. Here we go. And then Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, exactly. And then five, po five points. Yeah. And the thing is, like, Kyler Murray, because of his running, even if it looks like a bad matchup on paper, he could still put up nice points. So it's hard to really ever bench him. And I, like I said, I know that would happen if I took like a Lawrence or even like a Fields or someone like that. Especially when you see like the matchup yeah. against like the worst defense in the league. Oh, wow. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Frank, after this, you went with uh, your defense and kicker. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, this, on this I'll just do a general strategy for this position, and it's just play matchups. I looked at the Ravens' schedule. Uh, week one, they have a good matchup. I'm just pulling it up really quickly. So you look at who the Ravens play. They're, they're at the Jets. So I know the Jets have improvements on offense, but Zach Wilson has a hell of a lot of question marks, and he could really throw a bunch of picks. So that's a good matchup. You look at the week after that, they're home to the Dolphins. Dolphins have improved, but Tua is a pocket passer. He's more likely to get sacked. Like, he can definitely have a bad game. Then I look week three. They're at the Patriots against Mac Jones, who, you know, he's still a, a young quarterback. They can exploit him. And then week four, they play the Bills. So that's when I would probably look to look elsewhere. So I like the fact that, that the Ravens have, like, three matchups that I'm cool with that I don't have to really swap them out for. And I can even look ahead and maybe grab um, a defense early that I want for week four, who knows, but we'll see about that. As for the kicker, I just went with uh, the Vikings because I think their offense is much improved under Kevin O'Connell and they'll be playing indoors. It's just, they're just kickers or you want to pick a, 
a player on a good offense and just see where it takes you kind of thing. Now, let me ask you, what was your favorite pick yeah. in this entire draft? That's a great, that's a great, great question. Uh, there's a lot of them. Can I pick more than one? I'll rank the top three, maybe. Okay, how about this? How about this? I know the favorite. You give us your sleeper, your best value, and just overall king of your team. Start with the king of my team, and that's Justin Jefferson. I know it's the third overall pick. It's the first round. But this is a player that I have ranked first overall, and I was really hoping to get him because if he was gone, I kind of want Jamar Chase over Cooper Cup, and that'd be a reach to me. I just wanted Jefferson badly. I think playing the Cooper Cup role in O'Connell's offense, he can really just absolutely explode. If you look at last year, right before the Chargers game, which was around week 10, the Vikings said they got to get him the ball more. They got to get him the ball more. His target share up to that point was around 23%. From that point onward, it was like 34%, which led the league. I think he's just year three. He's going nuclear. So he's the king of my team, and I love that pick. That's my favorite pick. I'll let you chime in if you want to say anything about Jefferson, or I could go to the next. Well, I think you've just said, like, how much you've loved Jefferson before the year and how you're, you project forward. I think that's one of the main focuses that not to project, not to, not to base your picks on historical value. You could have easily taken Cup. I like the fact that you had the the pale to uh, if uh, for those of you who don't don't understand the pale means the balls, <laughs> but uh, to to draft uh, Justin Jefferson right right before Cooper Cup, uh, so that's something where you know you stick to your guns and and uh, yeah you were obviously excited to have him. So I'll say I agree with your king of the king of the team. <laughs> How's that? All right, all right. I'll go on to my sleeper of the team, who I think could make a big impact that will have been an unheralded pick. Hmm. I think it's going to be Curtis Samuel as the sleeper in the 16th round. Because, like I said, it's only been one year removed from that wide receiver two top 24 finish. And there's opportunity in Washington I think he could, you know, be a bi-week fill-in, be an injury fill-in. If, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown disappoints, he can slot right in. I think he'll make an impact on my team. That was a sharp pick, in my opinion. And it was, like we said, it's at that point of the draft, you might as well take the shot on someone that has the upside. The guys... Uh, left there were Marvin Joel, Marvin Jones, Chanel, you know, yeah. like it's Paris Campbell. Hooray. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you might as well get a little bias and if you're first NFFC and just go with the commander. Exactly. Um, what was the last category? I guess your best value. Oh, the best. Oh, value. the best value. Um. I was going to say A.J. Brown, but I think it's got to be Kyler Murray. Like, seventh round is nuts. Like, look at – he went one pick after Chase Edmonds. He went around Drake London, a rookie receiver. He went around Damian Harris, Tyler Lockett playing with Drew Locke. This is Kyler Murray. He can be the top quarterback 
in fantasy football, or at least top three. I know he gets nicked in this format. So I think he should have went sixth or even fifth. I'd take him over Mahomes, no problem. And he went two rounds later. So this is definitely my best value. And I think I wanted to tell you before we finish up, I wanted to go through a couple wild teams here that really did not know what they were doing. I won't say their names, but I'm going to tell you the team. I'm going to tell you, like, I can I can oh, I go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna just I'm gonna take a guess. Maybe I'll write them down. I'm gonna write down something. Obviously, this is not uh, for I'm just gonna put a nu- I'm just gonna put a number here and I'm just gonna tell see if uh, that's one of them. All right, go ahead, Frank. Well, okay, so part of I look at my team, I was really happy with that. I really like the way it's built. It's like it's not just picking the best players. It's like built nicely. There's upside. There's those, there's the upside shots are running back with Dylan Pollard, Madison. There's dependable veterans like Myers Davis, you know, there's bounce backs like Curtis Samuel, there's steals like Murray. And I was happy with it. I tweeted it out. A lot of people really liked it. Even experienced respected players who play on this platform really liked it. And I'm starting to think, Part of the reason why I was able to build such a good team was because I was right next to just a complete disaster, like disaster of a team. And that's team two. So you look at team two. Okay, they take Christian McCaffrey. Cool. Okay, they get another running back, Nick Chubb. Okay, cool. Oh, Okay, you know what? They want to go heavy on running back. They take one in the third round, third in a row. And then they take a fourth running back in a row. And then they take a fifth running back in a row. What are you doing? We start two running backs and a flex. Why do you need five? I think this person maybe thought it was best ball where like it takes your top scores every week and maybe we'll take three of them. But even in that case, that's terrible drafting. Uh, So that helped me get receivers clearly because like if you would have taken a receiver in the fourth round instead of his fourth running back, I likely don't get DJ Moore. So I got helped a lot by being there. And I'm not even done with this person's team yet because you look further down the line and you see, okay, they take Trey Lance in the ninth. Nice. He's hyped, whatever. Two rounds later, they take Aaron Rodgers. But why? You start one quarterback. Trey Lance is a running quarterback that you're like – you can't really predict too much when a running quarterback is going to go off as easily because it's not like against, like I said, a, a strong defense, they might go off because they're running wild and, you know, they break a 40-yard touchdown run. So now you have Lance and Rodgers. Okay, whatever, you're stacked there. And then he take they take a third quarterback to a tag of a little, but why? Why are you doing that? So again... Like, if he didn't take Rodgers, maybe he takes another receiver. I don't get Jacoby Myers. I don't get that nice step. You know, so just complete disaster there. And to a lesser extent, he took three tight ends, which is, again, too many. Why do you have three tight ends? You should use one of those roster spots for, like, a lottery ticket running back. So being right next to this person, I think, helped my team out a lot. And it helped counter the fact that Team 4 so uh, his name his last name is Sousa he writes for fade the noise FTN I'm saying his name because he's well known in 
fantasy and his name's Nelson Sousa and he combines with another player who writes for um, another site and he plays a lot of leagues and shout out to them. They have a nice team. You know, they drafted four receivers first, but then they took Edmonds from me. They took T Higgins from me earlier. They took Rashad White as a potential handcuff from me. So they got some pick, they got some decent players. So playing next to, when you, when you draft next to someone really good, it, it'll make it a little harder on your team. You might lose some of the guys you want. But because I drafted next to team two, that was huge. But let's hear who you thought it was. I'm going to be very honest with you. Once I saw the, the no running back strategy and leaning on Josh Jacobs, I said, you know what? You, got, you were sandwiched between two guys yeah. that just went completely opposite of each other. And it was a nice scenario for you to go, hey, I'm going to get Leonard Fournette here. I'm going to get, uh, you know, it's that that aspect, like you said, not take not forcing you to not take Darren Waller so that later you could take multiple tight ends. You know, it yeah. it, it fit nicely oh, with you. Yeah. I see what you so mean, it was, but go ahead. I want to add what you're saying. I, I like that. I just realized that. Go ahead. No, that, that's just basically when, when I looked at it instantly, I just saw these two right next to you. And it was like, okay, especially, well, obviously too, you know, taking Trey Lance and then like believing. Yeah. But then going, okay, I, I don't believe enough. I'm going to go Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. And then, and then he's like, oh man, Aaron Rodgers has the vac- doesn't get, have the vaccine. I'm going to because he's going to throw deep. It's like, there's like the... It's a lot there. It's a lot to handle. So I understand full well. It would be very funny, though, if they, this guy, like, because he has McCaffrey, right? Uh, Chubb, and then takes a chance on Brees Hall. Like, this is, there's so much here. Like, you, you, were, you were talking about shoot for the moon, shoot for the stars with your running backs. I think this guy took that to the extreme and said, I'm going to take my shot that, all of the like no, three insane. of these guys will be yeah well obviously but what are you gonna do no but what you said like his wide receiver oh. oh go ahead go ahead go ahead no his wide receivers too and yeah chris godwin drake london Ayuk. that's ugly you know yeah it's much to be desired yeah i like what you said i did because i have one guy who went four receivers in a row and the other next to me five running back that's a good point because it let me you know because someone they just overemphasized one position and it allowed others to be available. That was good. But I see I know what you mean with like Jacobs as RB1, that's risky, but uh with the way that he did it, be like it would be hard for him. Oh, actually, they told me that I stole Dylan from them. They really wanted AJ Dylan to shoot for the moon as the RB1. But, anyways, their teams are I think my team, to be honest, is the best. <laughs> But uh, there's obviously other good ones. I want to say one other one that helped us in the draft. Teammate, look at this. They take Joe Burrow, fifth round, who I wanted badly. They take him. Not even, oh, they even take Rashad Penny from me. The same team takes him from me. So two players, they snipe. But then in the ninth round, they take Russell Wilson. Why would you use that much draft capital at quarterback when you only start one? So he used, they used a fifth rounder and a ninth rounder. That's a lot. Like you could have just taken Wilson and in that fifth round, they could have, you know, taken another running back Montgomery or 
taking a receiver, Bateman or St. Brown. Like it just it made it way easier. And to top it all off, they took a third quarterback in the 18th round. I, this is where this is what this is one thing I want to leave off. These drafts can be really difficult because obviously people are putting more money in it. Uh, there's a lot of players who are joining so many of these leagues and they're really investing a lot of money. They could be challenging. And I thought most would be totally challenging, especially this one, because this one's 350 to get in. But after this draft, it made me realize, no, like there's some deadweight teams. They have no chance. They're not going to win unless like, like they're not going to win with this type of build. So that's two out of 12 teams that are just a disaster. So it doesn't even matter that it's high stakes. There's going to be dead weight teams, even if it's a thousand dollar buy-in, they're just blowing money. And wow. 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 Well, you know what teammate gave me hope a little bit. Like I said, I, I have that pick. So when I saw that, oh, Travis Kelsey, you know, like he, I, I see w- what was going on with this pick, like with these, with these sets of picks. But like you said, five and nine, you know, even at nine, the guys he could have, Claypool went right after. You could take a shot at him. Yeah. He thinks he's the best wide receiver in the league. You know, there's all these, you took Burks, you know, there's many, there's a lot of long shots that you can take there in the ninth round that are a lot better. Cause then after that, look, he went two tight ends with Komet and uh, Hunter Henry. Right. So you're doing the, the two tight end thing. So now why would, why wouldn't you take uh, like a wide, like another wide receiver or running back instead of Wilson there? Because you know, you're about to spend two picks on a, on a tight end. So you're not going to get another quarter. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, it's a mess. It's very, cause I understand it. Like with you, right. You did that. You did the two tight end thing with that in mind. Okay. I'm going two tight ends. That means I'm taking a really good qu- quarterback and then a backup later on. Like you said, that I'm not even going to think of drafting of, of playing. So when I look at that, I see that, uh, I like how you went uh, went through it. Even you had a five pick difference between your tight ends, so it's nothing like and the, like like you like we just finished saying the value at the at the end. The, these guys are very similar. Yeah. So to to go like basically back to back, I'm going heavy tight. It's yeah, especially when you went with the quarterback. It's a tough thing to do, but like but he you know this is a they have great running backs. And maybe that will help lead them. Yeah, just poorly built. Maybe they think like they're only gonna they're gonna get to play Burrow or Wilson in the top matchup every. I don't know. It's just a waste of resources. You want to try to you want as many kicks at the can to really hit a home run in those mid to late rounds. It's like it's a really low hit rate. Like it's hard. It's hard to find that home run late. So you want to take as many shots as you can as many three-pointers instead of, oh, you know. Sorry, sorry. I completely didn't even, like, my brain didn't connect, I guess because I would never do this in my life, that he took Travis Kelsey. Like, and oh, then yeah, we ends. didn't even say that. Oh, 
Holy Moses. Yeah, you see the, yeah, 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 yeah. I just screwed that up. Yeah, he has Kelsey, Komet, and Henry. Like, what is this? Santa Maria. Yeah, they they don't they either don't know the format or yeah, I don't know what they were thinking there. No, they're just trying to lay it down thick. They're going heavy tight end, heavy quarterback. They're trying to reestablish fantasy sports. <laughs> I see what they're doing. <laughs> The new age. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, Frank, that was a nice rundown. Beautiful. Got me excited for for the draft season. All right. L L F G.